A note from Robert P. Rabbit, 11. Once, my father took all my brothers and me on a long hike through the woods of the North Georgia mountains. It was right after an early spring storm had left at least two inches of snow on the ground. He was trying to teach us safety, so he gave us some instructions at the beginning of our walk. I want you all to follow me in single file. Don't veer off my trail for any reason, and keep up with the brother in front of you so that you don't get lost. Beware of anything that is out of place, that doesn't seem to belong where you see it. Leave it alone, he instructed. He told us other things as well, so it was hard to remember it all, but the things that happened on that hike helped us remember the lessons for a lifetime, and I'm sure have saved us from many sorrows. For instance, one of my brothers saw a carrot lying in the snow just off the trail and went to get it. I told him to stop, since the carrot didn't belong there, at least not lying on top of the snow like it was. Well, it turned out the carrot was a trap, and the snare caught my brother's leg and held him fast. We were all terrified until our father got him loose. He had set the trap himself just to teach us a lesson. A little later, one of my brothers a few spots in front of me began to slow down to where there was a big gap in the line. When my father reached a fork in the path, which none of us behind the slow brother could see, he ducked into the brush with all of the brothers who had kept up. When we reached the fork in the path, we had no idea which fork to take. We were lost. He came out of the brush and reminded us of his instructions. His final lesson that day was to remind us to pay attention to everything we saw on the hike. When we got back home, he asked us questions about what we had seen, such as the color of the house we passed, how many streams we saw, if there were any deer in the forest, and similar questions. I had more right answers than any of my brothers, so it seems that I have been given a really good memory. So, when Katie, Emily, and I went looking for clues, it was easy for me to be very observant. I told Katie that she needed to learn to do the same thing. She would never know when remembering just one little thing could make all the difference in the world on our quest to find the moon rock. Chapter 11, Dr. Robinson's Grandson While we were busy in the Havasu Canyon looking for the rock that will not move, back in Florida, Dr. Robinson was not doing very well. He was in the Sunshine Retirement Assisted Living Home, and he had gotten to the point of sleeping much of the day. He didn't talk too much, even when he was awake, but rather spent most of his time listening to music. But on one particular day, his grandson, Dr. Timothy Townsend, and his wife Tammy were visiting him. They had come home from Africa because his grandfather was so ill, and because Dr. Robinson had told him something very important was about to happen. It was their first trip back to the United States in five years. Dr. Robinson told them about the lab at the Kennedy Space Center, the ubidium, and the moon rock, and his idea for trying to slow down their aging. Timothy answered, But what you are asking us to do seems like it could take a lot of time, and we hate being away from the hospital in Kenya for very long. There are so many children who need treatment, and so few doctors and nurses to help them there. But think how many children you will be able to help if you can live decades longer, Dr. Robinson argued, and how many other people's lives could be extended by the moon rock vapor. I'm not sure about that, said Tammy. It seems like it's messing with the natural order of things. 
Well, you don't need to decide whether or not to create the vapor now, Dr. Robinson told them. But please, you must help find the moon rock to keep bad people from getting it. Okay, said Timothy. That is certainly important. We will try to help find it. And watch out for Myron Woodard. I don't trust him, Dr. Robinson warned them. After talking a little while longer, Timothy and Tammy left so their grandfather could get some sleep. When they walked into the retirement home's lobby, they saw three men dressed in suits and ties, which was very unusual for Florida. When the men noticed him and Tammy, they hurried straight toward them. Hello, the shorter man said. Are you Dr. Timothy Townsend? Yes, I am, Timothy responded. What can I do for you? I am Dr. Myron Woodard. I thought we might find you here. I worked with your grandfather many years ago. He is a fine scientist and a fine man, he said. We think so, too, said Timothy. I'll get right to the point, Myron said. I assume your grandfather has told you about our tests and how the vapor has slowed down my aging process considerably. Yes, Timothy responded, his suspicion evident in his voice. Well, then, said Myron, I assume also that he has told you where he has the ubidium? He no longer has it, so I would appreciate it if you would leave him alone, Timothy told him. He doesn't want anything to do with this affair anymore, so he gave me the ubidium. I hid it somewhere safe where only I have access to it. Not my grandfather and not my wife. No one but me. Myron kept trying to be friendly. Don't get us wrong, Dr. Townsend. We are only after what is best for you, your family, and the whole world. If we can produce this vapor in large enough quantities, then everyone could breathe it and enjoy a very much longer life, he said. And your draconian drug company would make millions of dollars selling the vapors, said Timothy. Dr. Townsend, said Myron, someone has to develop a way for everyone to have easy access to the vapor. It might as well be us. Timothy scoffed. But you don't have a moon rock, and it's not likely that NASA will give you one of theirs. We are working on that, Myron told him, and we're offering you one million dollars for the ubidium, with free doses of the vapor for both of you. Just think about what all that money would do for your hospital in Kenya. I mean it. Think about it. And with that, all three men walked out of the building to their car. Wow, one million dollars. That's a lot of money, said Tammy. If they are offering one million dollars now, they will offer even more later on. No one ever makes their best offer first. But I don't think we should let them have the ubidium, Timothy said. If the vapor really works, it should be free to everyone, and not just controlled by the draconian drug company. They would probably charge so much for it that only really rich people could ever afford to buy it. Timothy, you are such a good man, said Tammy. That's why I married you. I thought you married me because you thought it would be better to be Tammy Townsend than Tammy Schwarzenberger, Timothy said with a wink. Oh, you joker, she said, giving him a playful pat on his arm. But what about breathing the vapor? Will we want to do that? That's a hard question that I'm not sure we can answer yet. I mean, we don't really know the side effects of breathing the vapor. Has it changed Myron Woodard into some evil person, or was he that selfish before? And is it right to try to change the way God made us by adding to the number of years he has given humans to live? These are all things we need to talk about, said Timothy. On the other hand, Tammy said, 
We went to Africa not just to help cure children who have medical problems, but to share with them that Jesus loves them and he wants to be with them forever. If the vapor gives us an extended life, we could share Jesus' love with the children for so many more years. Doesn't that sound more than worthwhile? Let's keep talking about this, said Timothy. But for right now, let's try to get in touch with the family Grandfather told us is looking for the moon rock.